Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Well, today's a great day because we're starting our new series um, in which we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you don't know much about the Sermon on the Mount, uh, it's found in the book of Matthew. There's parts of it found in the other Gospels, but the full thing is found in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And uh, we're going to dive into this. And now, I've been, I've been in ministry now for 25 years, which seems crazy to think about, and I'd make myself sound old. Uh, but been in ministry 25 years, and I have never actually done a series out of the Sermon on the Mount. I've done some stuff from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but I've never done a series across the whole entire thing, so I'm super excited for it. Um, but what is the Sermon on the Mount? We're calling it our Soapbox Series, and here's why. Um, I don't know if you ever looked up the, you know, the backstory on when it says, hey, get off your soapbox. What are they talking about? Uh, back in the day, when someone wanted to make a point or get their message across, they would stand on a box and elevate themselves so that they could be seen and heard. Uh, well, Jesus doesn't do that in the Sermon on the Mount. Instead, what Jesus does is Jesus actually goes up the mountain a little bit uh, so that he can actually be seen and heard by the crowds. He's not doing it to escape them. He's doing it so that he can position himself so that he can be heard as he preaches literally the greatest sermon ever, ever preached. And uh, as we dive into this, I want to set it up today. Uh, and we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to take our time and go through this. Uh, but as I set it up today, here's what you need to understand is as Jesus begins to share this, he's coming across a little bit like a king establishing a kingdom. Um, he's beginning to say, hey, um, you're a part of this kingdom. Uh, this is the way it looks to be a part of this kingdom. This is what life looks like. This is what culture looks like. He's not getting up there and saying, hey, if you want to be a part of this kingdom, here's what you need to do. He's saying, hey, um, if you are a part of this kingdom, this is what life looks like. Um, and so he begins to set up in order this new way of life and begins to lay it out both for his disciples and the crowd that is there. And, and the reason that he's doing this is because before Christ, life looked a lot different, okay? Matter of fact, Paul carries on, a matter of fact, the whole New Testament carries on this same kind of principle and idea, um, continually going back to the fact that, hey, there was an old life, and now there's a new life, and this is what the new life looks like. And so Paul, when he writes different churches, and you read those in the New Testament, he comes back to this thought time and time again. One of those is found in Ephesians, as Paul writes the church at Ephesus, in Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 9. And it says, for once you were full of darkness. So before Jesus, you didn't just have a little bit of darkness, you were full of it. Like you are full of darkness. This is what the Bible says. But now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For the light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Are you hearing that? So before, man, you were full of darkness, but now, hey, you're not full of darkness. And matter of fact, the light of Jesus is in you. So therefore, now listen to it. It produces only what is good and right and true. Now I want to ask you this question. How many of you here today say, man, right now everything that comes out of me is good, right, and true? Yeah, right? Nobody's hand went up on that because then you would be a liar and you would thus, right, prove me right. None of us can say that. And so what do we do? We constantly go back to the message of Jesus so we can constantly be transformed into his image 
and, and we can continue then to move forward producing, not always, but producing that which is good, right, and true. And so here's Jesus, and he's establishing, hey, guys, look, you're going to follow me. Awesome. This is, this is what that looks like. This is what the new kingdom, the new life looks like. So with that, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to set this up, uh, give you a little challenge today. And see where we go from there. Matthew chapter 5, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Big title at the top says Sermon on the Mount. And it says, one day he saw, who's the he? That's Jesus. He saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up the mountainside and sat down. Now why were the crowds gathering around Jesus? Backstory. Uh, if you go back into chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, what you're going to see is as Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus does something. Jesus, the Bible says, goes to the synagogues teaching the word, proclaiming the good news about the kingdom that's coming, and healing all kinds of sickness and disease. Okay? So the reason that there are these crowds there is because they're coming to hear the teaching, to hear the prophetic word proclaim about the kingdom that's about to come. And let's, let's be honest, because there were people being healed of all, all, all sorts of sickness and diseases. And so because of that, all of these people now, these big crowds begin to gather around Jesus. So Jesus goes up the mountain. He wasn't doing this to withdraw himself. He was doing this to position himself so he could teach them. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. The crowd's already there, but Jesus was waiting for somebody. He was waiting for his followers. And as soon as his followers, listen to it now, gathered around him, he began to teach them. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. I want to speak to you today from the idea of gathered to him. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for an awesome time already uh, in this community. How we thank you for the things that have transpired already, that, that we were able to worship you and surrender our hearts to you and elevate you and lift you up, the prayer that has happened, and God, the conversations even on the way in. Lord, we thank you that you're here and you're glorified. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help me in the next few moments uh, preach these verses and that they would come alive to us and, and really they would challenge us um, to just press in over the next several weeks as we dive into this this topic. So Lord, I pray you'd help me now uh, create an environment for people to discover your, discover your son Jesus, know your incredible love, and realize the awesome plan that you have for them. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Gathered to him. There are, there are literally crowds, like so many people gathered to him that he had to position himself, he had to elevate himself so that, that he could be heard, so that he could be seen for a very specific reason. If you've never read the text, he's going to preach the greatest message of all time. He's going to proclaim the good news about himself and the kingdom that he has established. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that. I'm still waiting for that moment to happen right here at Canvas Church. Come on, where the crowds are so packed at the door. Come on, are you with me? It's going to happen, people. We're going to talk about it a little bit today, but... Um, I'll never forget an opportunity I had uh, when I was ministering in the Philippines. Anybody ever been to the Philippines before? Um, and so I was about 20, 21 years old, and um, the church I was a part of um, in, the, in, this, in these certain uh, areas of the Philippines, they absolutely loved basketball. And so we decided to take a missionary basketball team. That's, that's when I loved missions. You put together a basketball team, I'm going. All right? 
We put together a basketball team, and um, all of us had played college basketball at some level. Uh, at least I think 90% of us had played college basketball at some level. So it was a pretty competitive team. And the whole idea was we were going to go in and play um, these uh, semi-pro teams in the Philippines and to draw a crowd so that then we could begin to, to preach to them. Now, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, I was thinking like, you know, a little high school gym, some people going to fill up the gym, and we're going to play a, a game, and, and uh, we're just going to, you know, share the uh, message at halftime. But I'll never forget pulling up, because some of these games were played outdoors in the barrios. I will never forget the very first night when we pulled up. Up, and we pulled up in this in this this bus, and the, I'm not kidding you. There were thousands upon thousands of people around this 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 outdoor gym. I mean, they were on top of roofs, they were on top of cars, they were literally climbing up fences. And uh, we came in, and I was just blown away. The place was so packed, and we played a game of basketball. And these were really good teams. Played a game of basketball, and uh, and man, at halftime we would have to position ourselves so that we could preach the gospel to the masses. One of the coolest experiences I've ever been a part of. But we had, to do, we, had to, we had to get to a place where we could then present the message of Jesus to these crowds. This is what Jesus is going through. Jesus sees the crowds coming, and, and, he's, and he's very uh, meticulous in what he does, and he realizes, okay, this is going to be the moment that I'm going to share what I'm about, and this is going to be a good moment. And so he comes up the mountain, positions himself, gets ready, and begins to declare the new kingdom to the masses. Uh, every time in Scripture uh, that you read about Jesus, what you're going to discover is the crowds came, and, 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 and there was tons of them. One just a little bit. There, there were tons. Why were they coming? They were coming, and, and you got to hear this, they were coming because Jesus was presenting the truth to them. He was teaching them the truth. He was telling them about the way of life. He was prophesying, speaking, hey, this is the kingdom that's to come. He was speaking the truth. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, there's this great story in the scripture, and I want to read just the beginning of it to you. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. This is incredible. Are you with me? I already mentioned to you, I'm waiting for the day when we open up the doors to our first service, our second service, our third service. Pastor, we have a third service? No, not yet, but I'm waiting for the day. Right, our fourth service. When there are so many people... And listen to me, the way you get there is not through programs, and it's not by telling people what they want to hear, it's by telling people what they need to hear. It's by, it's by preaching the gospel. It's by preaching the word. Everywhere Jesus went, a crowd was because Jesus is the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst the people. And he was teaching the word. Listen to me, the way to build churches and the way to see lives transformed is not through better programs. I love programs, but programs, you know what they do? They go back and support the message of Jesus. It's, it's never, and I know, I know, I know what's happening. It's not by telling people what they want to hear. Let's be honest, though. We all like to be told what we want to hear. You ever had that conversation with somebody before where you're going and you're sharing with them 
this thing, and really you don't want, you don't want input, you just want them to validate what you're about to do. Am I the only one that's had that conversation before? Right? I used to have, to have this all the time happen when I was a youth pastor. Pastor, I think I'm in love with so-and-so, and I think I should date them. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't. You don't even know what love is. And I ain't going to show you. I want to know. Anyway. Like, no, you don't. And you, t you tell them no, and you tell them what they need to hear, and then they get mad at you. Right? But see, Paul actually warns, they, and he's talking about the church. And he warns his son, son Timothy in the faith, and he says, hey, Timothy, there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a time where people are going to heap up for themselves teachers. And he uses this term like that, tickle their ears. What he's saying there, he said, hey, there's going to come a time when people, and we've all been there, and we've all, we all done it, that they're going to want people to tell them what they, what they want to hear. And can I just tell you something? Man, you can, you can build some crowds really quick when you tell people what they want to hear. And I hate to say it, but it's, it's happening. It's happening. There's people out there that are, that, are, that, are, that are proclaiming teaching, masking it as the word, but it ain't the word. It's not the Bible. It's not the gospel. And here's the thing. Man, all of a sudden, you know what it does? Man, it builds a church really big. But you know what? Jesus warned about that. He said, you know what you're building on? You're building on sand. You're not building on the rock. You're not building on the word. You're building on sand. And guess what? All of a sudden, a storm will come. And all of a sudden, the foundation will crumble. And the house is going to come falling. How do I know that? COVID. Come on, somebody. Churches. People bickering, fighting, arguing, leaving. What happened? Well, we were, we were telling them what they wanted to hear, not what they need to hear. Not Jesus. Jesus never, never shied away. Never. And let me tell you something. It's not easy. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a lot easier to tell people what they want to hear. Sure, you can do that. Jesus will bless it. I just lied. It's not easy when you're preaching through the scriptures and all of a sudden there's some content about sexuality. And you've got to tell people, no, you're living in sin. That's sin. Ain't no way around it. Well, but pastor, it only mentions it a couple times. My pastor looked at me one time and goes, how many times does a dad have to tell their kid that it's wrong before it's wrong? One time. You come across and, you know, we're, we're preaching through some texts and all of a sudden it comes across about a part about finances. Oh, it's easier just to skip over those parts in church. Right? Or to tell them what they want to hear. I'll just do what you want. That's easier than telling people, hey, by the way, everything you have, it actually belongs to him. Because the very principle of following Jesus is deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. I mean, like, so by the way, when you did that, what you're saying is, hey, Lord, everything I have, it's yours. Thanks for letting me have some of it back. Right? I mean, it's easier to just tell people, like, hey, 
No, but what we need to understand is the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything here, it's his. As a matter of fact, the Bible says what you're living in, that's just his footstool. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus never shied away on difficult topics and difficult, listen to me, we want to see churches full, we want to see our relatives saved, we want to see our coworkers come, we want to see all of our fellow, you go to schools, you want to see them come, guess what we got to do? We got to preach more of the word. We got to teach more Jesus. And here in Mark chapter 2, this little portion I just read you, he's in the house and he's teaching about Jesus. He's preaching the word. I mean, could you imagine, read on in the story, it's powerful. Could you imagine being the person in that moment that, that ends up at the house party? Come on, somebody. Just walks in, like, what's everybody doing here? Like, what's so exciting about being inside? And he gets inside, and, and there's Jesus standing in the living room teaching. And he's just like, wow. All of these people gathered around to hear Jesus. And then as he's standing there, listening, looking around at all the people, all of a sudden the roof starts to break open. Have you read Mark chapter 2? The roof starts to come off the house. You know what the first thing he did is? Got his phone out. This is going on Instagram. Right? He's recording. As he's recording, roof comes open. And all of a sudden he sees four dudes up there. He's like, whoa. And then the four dudes start to lower another dude down. Can you imagine that happened here? And he's there for it. And he goes down. And Jesus stops the teaching. And he heals the guy. And the guy gets up and walks out. Listen to me. Amazing things happen when you gather to Jesus. Amazing things happen when you gather to Jesus. There, there, I mean, there's just no question about it. I mean, time after time after time in Scripture, and here's why amazing thing happened, because the first thing stayed the first thing, and that is, we got to teach this right here. And Jesus always taught. That's why it says in Mark 16, 20, the Word was confirmed with signs and wonders following. What came first? The Word. It's essential. It's important. It's the way we live our life. But listen to me. The two don't have to be separate. The two are dependent upon one another. We preach more. Listen, we're not a church that's just like, hey, give us more miracles. You know what we are? We're a church that's, hey, give us more of the word. Give us more Jesus. Give us more of him. And then guess what happens? The miracles happen because Jesus himself, what did he do? He taught the word. He prophesied about the kingdom to come. And he healed all sorts of sickness and disease. So Jesus here, and he sees the crowds forming in Matthew chapter 5, and he goes up on the mountain. And what's about to happen is absolutely amazing. See, the last time the leader of that nation went up on a mountain, he got the law. His name was Moses. And Moses, too, went up on a mountain, but... He wasn't there to deliver a message. He was there to receive a message. And the message was called the law. And it was, it was, hey, you must do these things in order to be a part of. 
But now, I believe this is what Jeremiah, the prophet, was prophesying about when he said this. Listen to this. Jeremiah 31, 33. But this is the new covenant. I will make the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put, listen to it now, I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer is it gonna be something written on a tablet of stone. No, I'm gonna take my word and I'm gonna come with grace and I'm gonna put it inside their life. And right here we see this collision of the law and of grace coming. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came in and of himself to fulfill the law. And now anyone who looks to Jesus and abides in Jesus is a part of the new covenant. Jesus comes to do that. And Jeremiah declares it's going to happen listen to me now, this, 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 this moment would have been missed if people hadn't been gathered to him. Would have been missed if they hadn't gathered, gathered to him. And Jesus, I love it because he doesn't, and we're going to see it as we go through it, he doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. This, we're going to get into things like, hey, it's not whether or not you committed adultery. It's if you looked at a woman with lust. Oh, what does he mean by that? He didn't sugarcoat it. Oh, he, no, you didn't kill anybody. But did you look at with anger in your heart at your brother? We're, we're going to dive into this because Jesus didn't. Jesus told it how it was. Right? I think we need more of that. I, I, I think I shared last week, but we had a men's, a men's gathering. Uh, we, have, we have it the first Saturday of every month. And uh, man, I just went after with the men. There was like 30, 35 of us. How many of you guys were there for that? Yeah. And afterwards, like, people were like, that was so good. And literally all I did was just sit in there and put a glove on and just punched them. <laughs> Not literally, but spiritually. I'm just like, hey, you call yourself a man? This is what a man does. And it was just like, you know, um, you just don't sugarcoat. I mean, there's, there's, there's too many people sugarcoating things. There's too many people trying to be like Dr. Phil on a Sunday morning. Oh, did he say that? I don't want to be Dr. Phil. There are, there are professional counselors and therapists out there. I'm not them. I'm just going to give you Jesus. I'm just going to preach the word, Right? And I love it, man. There's other places. Listen, if, if you're looking for the place that's going to give you five steps how to have a healthier whatever, this is not the place. But if you're looking for a place that is going to say, hey, this is what the Bible says, live it, life's better, then this is the place. Right? Like, I mean, some of my friends, and I, God bless them, I'm not called to do it, but they're like, hey, you know, how to have the best marriage ever. Like, that's cool. I don't need to do a whole series on that. I'll give you two steps. One, stop being selfish. Two, love your spouse the way Jesus loves you. Done. You can have a great marriage. Like, you're spending how many weeks on how to have the best marriage ever? And here's the thing is, I mean, listen, can I just say, you can have a crappy marriage and still love Jesus. 
And as you stay in love with Jesus and actually live his principles out, the marriage will get better. I mean, just like, pastor, it's not that easy. I know, again, here's why it's not easy, because I know there's two people involved, right? And so both people need to, like, surrender and adhere to. But even when the other is not, didn't, when you, when you stood at the altar, didn't you say for better, for worse? Yeah, but my idea of bad wasn't this. <laughs> yeah, because you're selfish. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, it's not complicated. You know? How to have success in your finances. Six-week series. I don't need six weeks. Stop being selfish and put God first with your money. Done. Wow, man, we're getting like two six-week series in like one day. Like, I'm coming back to this church. Like, man, he just summed it up. I mean, it's, it's, it's not hard. Good preaching, Pastor. But next week I'm going to the other church. <laughs> There's power when we gather. There's power when we gather. We see the power of gathering right here. They gathered to him and now, now listen, whether, whether, that's, whether you're online or whether you're live, in the, man, there's this power in being a part. Now, I, I love being in the, in the room. There's this power of being together. Power, why is that? This is what I see. These people, as they gathered, they're saying something. They're, 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 they're committing to something. They're, they're saying that, man, we're here and we're, we're, we're coming under. We're surrendering. We're expecting something great and we're, we're going to commit to it. I mean, the crowds were there for a reason. They were there for a reason. And I want to I I propose to you as we, as we kick off this series um, over the next 10 weeks, I want to propose to you a couple of things. And, and the first one is this, is when you come, will you surrender? Will you surrender? Surrender to God. Surrender to Him. Um, when we think about surrender, we oftentimes think about it in a negative way. Right, because like you think about an army fighting and they're getting beat, so they wave the white flag and they surrender, okay? But when you understand the principle of surrendering, what we're saying is we're not just surrendering in this moment. What we're saying is, hey, we surrender and we're surrendering everything and we're coming under um, this nation. It's what, that's what surrender is. Like, okay, we're coming under that. So when you put that in the context of, of spirituality, you put that in the context of the kingdom of God, man, surrender is the most beautiful thing that would ever happen. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of doing it my own way and fighting against you, God. I've been doing this for far too long, and it's exhausting. And so I'm just done, and I come under. I'm surrendering. And great things happen when you surrender in the kingdom of God. When I surrender my sin to him, I'm forgiven, and righteousness comes. That's powerful. And here there is this moment, why else would they be there? They're coming under. And I want to ask you, church, that as we dive into this, this, this discussion over the next several weeks and looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we dive into this, would you come and would you just surrender under it and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take these things and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, you know, I've been doing it my own way. And here's the thing, you might be like, no, I've been good, I've been doing it. There's a part of your life you've still been trying to do your own way. 
and you just surrender and say, I'm, I'm, I'm coming under. There's power in surrender. There's power when we cease to resist our opponent and submit to their authority. There's power in that. When we come under, see, God has, God has a plan for our life, and it's a beautiful one. But we never get there unless we surrender. Second thing I ask you to do is there's, there's power in expectation. There's power in expectation. Would you come as we gather in these moments as a church? Would you come expecting God to do something? Expecting God to, to meet you? Listen, these people, these crowds were there expecting something. I don't know what their full expectation was, but they had heard about the miracles. They had heard about the healings of all the kinds of sicknesses and diseases. I mean, maybe the guy that was sitting there was like, hey, I was at the house party, and I saw with my own eyes. I'm, I'm expecting something. When was the last time you showed up to church? And I'm not talking about, well, I'm expecting to have a good time. You know you cannot have a good time in church and still get something out of it? I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't have a good time in church, but... Here's, here's, here's the thing that I've noticed, though, with, with the difference between people that are actually getting something out of it and people that aren't. Is, I mean, like, I, you know, because sometimes I can walk into a worship service and I can see some people just like, yeah, you know. And I don't, I don't fully understand it all. I know the Bible encourages us to, to lift up holy hands and worship him. And, and, and people are like, yeah, that's a sign of surrender and all this stuff, whatever. But all I know is that when people are engaged in the moment, those are the people that seem to get more out of it. Right? Like, like when you walk into a worship service and, and, and someone just down, or then you, and then you look around at the, one, the, the, the person that's just like, whatever. In the middle of worship. And then they're like, I didn't get anything out of today. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> you probably have a horrible marriage too. <laughs> This is you at home, you know? Like, yeah. I wouldn't want to be married to that either. I'm sorry. You chose wrong, but now you stuck. <laughs> I'll pray for your marriage. You should probably go to that other church and, you know, listen to their six-week series on. I, my team said you can't take as much time off as you did this last summer because you come back ornery, like, but seriously, I mean, uh, the, you know, in, in, in the psychology world, and it's beyond that now, but there's the, there's the law of expectation. And it's actually a biblical principle. The whole idea is this, is that you get what you expect. And, and I'm just going to be honest with you. If you come to church expecting nothing from God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to create a posture in you. Like, I'm just here. Why? My mom made me come. How old are you, 47? <laughs> you know, it's like... What is wrong with you? Like, grow up, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm having too much fun. Um, I mean, seriously, though. Like, what time are we supposed to be done? <laughs> Ever since we went to 1045, I can't do the math, so. I was really good at math until the second grade, and then it was like, you know, but. Um, 
Think about that principle for a minute, though. Like, oh, the only reason I come is because my parents made me come. I'm so glad my parents made me go to church. There's a lot of things you're probably glad your parents made you do when you were younger, like eat food. Like, you know, like, aren't you glad that your parents made you eat? You're here because of that, right? I mean, there's a lot of things, you know. Oh, my dad wouldn't let me play with a gun. Well, you're alive, you know. It's good dad, you know. Um, my parents made me come, or I had to come. It's like, good, good. But here's the thing. If you just come expecting, I'm telling you, it changes everything. And, and here's the thing you need to understand. It goes back to my earlier statement. You might not get what you think you want, but he'll always give you what you need. He'll always give you what you need. But we, we got to come expecting. Worship team, come on up. Um, come expecting. Come surrendered. Come expecting. And, and, and then there's the power of commitment. And this to me is what, what literally separates in this, this, these two verses the two groups of people. There was the crowd and there was the committed. There was the disciples and the crowd. Jesus did not start his teaching until his disciples came, which gives me a snapshot into the church. The church, the messages that go forth. Listen, when, when, when Jesus stood up or sat down on the mountain to, to preach this message, listen to me, it said he began to teach them. It wasn't just talking about the disciples. It was talking about everyone that was there. He began to teach them, but he didn't start because he was teaching to the disciples, the committed, in a way that the crowd could understand. So that when the crowd heard it, they could make a decision for themselves. Do I want to be a part of the new kingdom? Do I want to say yes to that? Do I want to commit to that? And listen to me, there's a big difference between those that are just, just kind of like there and those that are committed. Those that are, let me put it this way, those that are interested, because there's a lot of people interested in church. Like, oh, yeah, I'll go. Pastor's funny. Worship's great. Oh, I got some friends. I'll go where my friends are. I'll meet you. I'll go. A lot of people interested. There's not a lot of people that are committed. Not, not at our church, other churches. Right? And see, because see, a person that's interested goes when all the circumstances work out. Yeah, I, I learned a long time, you, you don't need a lot of reasons give people a lot of reasons to not go to church. Like, it just happens. Like, people woke up, and they're like, it's too humid today. Yeah, we probably shouldn't go to church. There's some rain out there. Roads are going to be slippery. Should probably stay home. What was that? Oh, my child just sneezed. They probably are sick. Should probably stay home. I mean, it's just... What if we flip all of that? Uh, you know, I had a really rough week. I just don't feel like going to church. I think, well, what if we flip all that? My week was so bad, I need to go to church. Because there, man, I'm going to experience the presence of God. Well, my child just sneezed. Let's get him to church. Let's get some prayer. We don't want him sick. Oh, it's raining out? Perfect time. No one's going to be on the road. I can get to church in five minutes rather than ten. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, just... Changes. I'm going. 
So here's, here's what I'm going to ask over the next, I don't know, like the, the, through this series. Through this series. I'm going to ask you to commit. Now this series goes for 152 weeks, but that's right. Through this series, would you commit? Would you commit to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be there. If I'm, if I'm in town, I'm going to be there. No excuses. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to be in the room. And here's the great part. If you can't make it here because you are legitimately sick, you can watch online. Live. I was, I was at a birthday party the other day, and I was talking to somebody, and, um, and they told me about some plans that are coming up. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, oh, bummer. And he's like, what? And I was like, we're going to be having my friend from L.A. He's a pastor in L.A. speaking. And he's also the chaplain for the best NBA team out there, the L.A. Clippers. Come on, somebody. And, and so you're not going to be here. And he goes, that's all right. He goes, every time I'm out of town, I watch online. I was like, that's awesome. Would you commit to that? Would you commit so I'm going I'm to be there. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow. I'm going to learn. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to come under. And I'm, I'm going to commit to expecting God to move every time I'm in church. I'm expecting that. I'm expecting God to move. See, the New Testament church understood commitment. Um, the disciples had to. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone wants to be my follower, it starts with commitment. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Commitment. And the New Testament church, when they received a mandate for Jesus, went into heaven, said, hey, I want you to go and make disciples out of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make no mistake, that wasn't, that wasn't a command for everybody to go on the mission field. That was, a, that was a statement to the disciples to figure out the mission. And this is what the disciples did, Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3. They established the New Testament church. And they said, through the New Testament church, we are going to make disciples out of all nations. And within that setting, every time they gathered, the word was taught. People were prayed for. They were held accountable. Finances were given. Uh, so this is what I'm asking you to commit to. Would you commit to learning the word? Would you commit to worshiping? When you come in, even if you don't feel like it, like, oh man, this isn't my favorite song. I sought the Lord. It needs to be your favorite right now. It's awesome. But like some people were just like, oh, I'll let them seek the Lord. Um, worship him. Would you come? Would you find a small group? Plug in. Commit. Because great things happen when we gather to him. Would you? We're, we're, we're here, here at Canvas Church. We're believing for 25 uh, first time tithers, people that are stepping into that part of their spiritual journey between now and the end of the service. Let me share this with you and I'll end because I, I want you to hear how practical and how real this is. Um, Right after the second, first service, I was talking with a, a man who is still wrestling a little bit with um, growing spiritually, but still wrestling with some thoughts and some concepts of things. Grew up in a, um, a Muslim home. And we're just having this great conversation. 
And he said, you know, Pastor, I, I, want, I just want to say, like, thank you for last week. And I'm like, for what? He goes, you said that you were believing for uh, 25 people to take their step in, in their spiritual journey and start giving financially. And I was like, yeah. He goes, the week before, I, I was having a conversation with my wife, and I said, hey, if, if we're going to do this thing, and this thing is real, we're going to commit to it, and we're going to start being tithers at that church. And then that Sunday you said that. Now, this is somebody that did not grow up in the Christian faith. Um, God is speaking and moving in people's hearts. And I want you to know something. What you do with your finances is not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. So much so that when the New Testament church gathered together, every time, generosity was shared. So I'm asking you, church, through the course of this series, would you just step all in and see what God does? Amen? Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let me pray. I'll ask some of the, some of the pastors to come on up, uh, some of the prayer team. Come on up here real quick, and uh, we're going to open this thing up as I dismiss. And uh, Maybe you need prayer for something today. Maybe you're going through a difficult season. You just need some prayer, encouragement. Uh, maybe you need a miracle in your life. Uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but we're here to pray for you. Uh, the rest of you, as you make your way out, make sure you get signed up for a small group. Find somebody with a lanyard on, a small group T-shirt. Um, and just say, hey, you know, sign me up. I want to get signed up for a small group. We got one for you. We'll get you, get you plugged in. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for a great day in church. Thank you for your word. Your word is awesome. Uh, pray, Lord, that we as a church would take this challenge to heart. And, um, God, we would just begin to walk it out and live it. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that they would find power uh, as we gather to you. I pray they'd find power, Lord God, in commitment. Find power in expecting you to move and find power as they surrender under your lordship in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Love to pray for you on your way out. Get signed up for a small group.